It's good to be back. It's good to be back and uh, here at Cross Life. I would agree with Andrew. I missed, I missed this. I really did. Being here and worshiping with you guys. Uh, my name's Deontay, for those of you who are new here. And uh, I'm privileged to be able to lead you in worship tonight as we open up our Bibles and as we learn from them. So I want to get started right away. Would you take your Bibles and open up to John 3? John chapter 3, I don't want to waste any time. We will consider verses 1 through 21 of John, John's gospel, third chapter. Uh, Many of you are familiar with this text that we look at tonight. It's Jesus preaching, I would say, proclaiming to Nicodemus. And so tonight we're continuing our series called Ambassadors. Our series on evangelism, which is the proclamation of the gospel. That's what evangelism is. And tonight, we get to learn from the greatest herald of truth ever. The greatest evangelist to ever breathe earth air. And that is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like we've, we've waited far too long for this. To learn from Christ. We finally get to learn from him. How did he share truth? And specifically here in this text in John 3, we're going to learn how Christ evangelized to a certain type of person, a certain type of person. And that is a person who believes they can work their way to heaven. By a show of hands, how many of you have embraced or talked to somebody like that? Yeah, many of us. The person who believes that they have a part in the work of God. Many of you here tonight probably were that person at one point, in, one point in time. And there might be some here who think that, who think that you can work your way to heaven. And so what we want to do as ambassadors is examine Jesus as he, discuss, as he discusses one night with Nicodemus and see the, the points of emphasis he makes as he preaches truth to Nicodemus. So let's read verses 1 through 21. Stay with me here, it's pretty long. (laughs) Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he, enter, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is flesh is born of the flesh, and that which is, uh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from. Or where it goes, so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so 
must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the precious and priceless word of God. And so Jesus here is evangelizing to this man who thinks he can work his way to heaven. Nicodemus. And Jesus here, he preaches two great truths. He makes two points of emphasis, and they, they are these. One, he preaches the new birth. He says, Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, the need for one to be spiritually given new life, to be transformed inwardly. And the second thing that Jesus preaches is belief, a belief in himself or in Christ, because trust in Christ is the only way a person can be born again. And in between these two preaching points, okay, you must be born again and believe Jesus exposes Nicodemus' blindness, his spiritual blindness. And there's some application there that we will consider when we get there. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we too must proclaim the same two truths when evangelizing the people. You must be born again. You must be transformed spiritually. You must be given new life. And the only way to be born again is faith in Christ. And so let's learn from Christ. Let's learn from the greatest evangelists. So our first point is Jesus preaches the new birth to Nicodemus. We read in verses 1 and 2. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. This man, Nicodemus, who approached Jesus by night was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews, verse 1 tells us. And basically what these titles are is this man, he was the big man on campus. He was the big man on campus. Uh, he was a very respected man in this society. He had power. See, the Pharisees, many of you know, we studied the Pharisees in the gospel. They were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And these men had respect like none other. Uh, Philippians 3, 5, Paul tells us that they were considered to be blameless when it came to the word of God. To studying this, they devoted their lives to. They knew it like the back of their hand. They knew it like the back of their hand. And many believe because of that, that they were the most loved by God. Religious giants. And so we have here Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And on, top being a, and on top of being a Pharisee, verse 1 tells us he was a ruler of the Jews, which meant he was a part of the Jewish Supreme Court of that day and age, which was a makeup of powerful and only powerful men. And so this prominent and revered man approaches Jesus by night. 
Why did he come to him by night? Verse 2 tells us he came to him by night. Well, in opposition to these men of prominence came Jesus, these religious giants. Early on in Jesus' ministry, he ruffled the feathers of these religious leaders. With the miracles he was performing and the things that he was teaching, Jesus, Jesus was gaining fame from the Jewish people. And because of that, he was taking the fame away from the religious leaders, which quickly put him on their enemy list. And so Nicodemus, being part of the group that didn't get along with Jesus, didn't want to risk being seen with this heretic and to be scorned at by his counterparts. And so he comes to him by night. And he comes to him on behalf of the religious leaders, on behalf of the Pharisees. In verse 2, he tells us, he says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus here is not being insincere, but rather honest. Uh, The Pharisees had indeed seen the signs that Jesus had been performing in Jerusalem, John 2 records. And they, in fact, did know that Jesus wasn't just any man, but that he was sent from God. They knew this. But as we read in the Gospels, in their arrogance, in their pride, they denied him. And so Jesus responds to Nicodemus in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Literally, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he must be born from above. A new birth, Nicodemus, is necessary for you to enter the kingdom of God. And folks, listen up. With this answer that Jesus gives to Nicodemus, see, in verse 2, Nicodemus didn't ask a question, but he had a question in his heart. And it's the most vital question that any person can ever ask. How can a man be right before God? This is what Nicodemus was wondering. And Christ answers this in verse 3. You must be born again. And with this answer, guys, he has turned Nicodemus' world upside down. This was in no way the response that Nicodemus expected to that question. He was a worker. He was rules, 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 do this, do that. That's the way you get to heaven. I want you to hold your place here in John 3 and flip back to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Chapter 18. Uh, Many of you know this parable, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I want to let you into the mind of a Pharisee. Uh, This will help us understand a little bit better why the answer that Jesus gives, you must be born again, has flipped Nicodemus upside down. How it obliterated his life's work. So verse 9 tells us the reason why Jesus was telling this parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with content. A person who thought that they were righteous because of the things that they did or because of the things that they didn't do. This is the point of this parable. And the person Jesus uses in this analogy to illustrate a righteous person is none other than a Pharisee. So I want us to look at what this Pharisee prays here 
in order for us to see how these men thought they were right because of the things that they did. Verse 10 of Luke 18. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. That is, God, I don't steal. I'm a good person. I'm a just person and a faithful person. I'm not like the bad people in the world. We hear this today. I don't do this and I don't do that. Look at verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Oh, 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 and God, I take a lot of time out of my week to sit and pray and study your word. And I give my money to the church. I, I do this and I do that. Guys, this was the mind of Nicodemus. This was the mindset of Nicodemus. He thought because he had done all these actions or had abstained from certain actions that this made him righteous. And so why does Jesus saying you must be born again shock him? Well, by a show of hands, how many of you here had something to do with your own physical birth? Anybody? Your own conception. How many of you here when the doctor told your mother to push, said, hey, hey, doc, no need. I'm just going to climb out of here, climb my way out of here. I got this. But thanks for the help, mom. Thanks for the help, doc. None of you did that, right? See, and that's the point Jesus is making with Nicodemus. The idea that he needed to be birthed again carries the idea that Nicodemus needed not to perform some action to be right, but be acted upon, be acted upon. And can you see by looking into this Pharisee's prayer, Luke 18, this was the mindset of Nicodemus. Can you see why Jesus telling him that he needed not to perform an action, but be acted upon has shocked him? It shocked him. And so go back to John 3. So Nicodemus has been completely turned for a loop by Jesus' comment, you must be born again. And so he responds with a question in verse 4. Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? How many of you here heard that there are no such thing as stupid questions? That's not true. <laughs> you have one here in verse 4 by Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a learned man, and he doesn't really suspect that Jesus is telling a person somehow to get back into his mother's womb and be born again. Now, that's preposterous. You see that word I just used? That's, pre that's preposterous. <laughs> so why the crazy question? Why does he ask that? Well, this is Nicodemus' way of asking for more of an explanation. What do you mean, Christ, by that I must be born again to get to heaven. And Jesus gives him further explanation in verse 5. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Here again, Jesus is pointing to the new birth. Jesus is telling Nicodemus he needs to be cleansed from his sins, he needs to be purified, and he needs new life within him, he needs a new heart. 
Now, the question you ask is, where are you getting that from verse 5, Deontay? <laughs> it says born of the water and spirit. It doesn't say anything about being cleansed from your sin and being given a new heart. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the Old Testament, to the book of Ezekiel. It's toward the end of your Old Testament. If you can find the book of Isaiah and move a couple books to the right, uh, you're getting warmer or hotter. (laughs) Ezekiel 36. Remember who Jesus was talking to. He was talking to a Pharisee. And this man, like I said, knew his scripture like the back of his hand. So when Jesus made this comment, he wasn't trying to confuse Nicodemus. We might be confused here. What do you mean, Jesus born of water and spirit? He wasn't trying to confuse him, but rather point him to a passage of scripture that he should have knew that spoke of water and the spirit and new life. And this is the text that Jesus wanted Nicodemus to call to mind. Ezekiel 36. Let's start in verse 22. Therefore... Say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned, profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And so how will God vindicate his holiness? Verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. You must be born of water. See, Nicodemus should have remembered Ezekiel 36, water in the Old Testament represented purification from uncleanness or sin. And here God says that he will one day purify Israel of her sins and of her idols. Continue to read verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you, that I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues And be careful to obey my rules. You must be born of water and spirit. Ezekiel 36, this is what Christ was pointing to. God says he will give Israel his spirit and cause them to have a new heart, which was set towards obedience to his word. See where I'm getting that from? Ezekiel 36. And so turn back with me to John 3. Jesus wasn't trying to confuse Nicodemus here. He was trying to point this man to Old Testament scripture. Back to John 3. Nicodemus needed to be cleansed from his sins. He needed new life. And that only comes by the Spirit of God. Nicodemus had no part in that. See, his mind was work, 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 and I'm going to get to heaven. Maybe some of you here are like that. No, you can't work your way to heaven. It's an act of God. You have no part in that. And Jesus continues to emphasize this point in the next verse. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That is, flesh can only produce fleshly life, Nicodemus, 
You can't work your way to heaven. Man can't change their nature in and of themselves. They can't produce spiritual life. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Only the Spirit of God can give a new heart and change a man's desire. It's not a work of man. Next verse, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Try to empathize with Nicodemus here. A man who worked his whole life to attain eternal life told all in an instance that his work was pointless. Imagine if you worked, some, if you worked for some your entire life and that quickly is told, worthless, worthless. Surely this would cause him to be astonished. Surely this would cause some amazement. I can't work for this? No, you can't. Jesus continues to emphasize that. Verse 8, verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus hears, here with this analogy continues the flow of thought. The flow of thought that man has no part in the work of God. And what a better way to illustrate the sovereign, and what a better way to illustrate that than by presenting the sovereignty of God. See, if the Spirit of God is sovereign and He's in control and man can't understand it completely, similar to the wind, then of course this tells of how man has no part in salvation. Of course, this tells how man has no part in salvation. Jesus is emphasizing that the working of the Spirit is sovereign. God is in control, not man. Not man. And so Nicodemus again responds with a question. With a question in verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? How can these things be, Jesus? The way verse 9 should really be translated is more like this. How can these things happen, How can I receive this new birth? At this point, Nicodemus understands what Jesus is getting at. He understands that he can't work his way to heaven. And he's saying, how can this become? How can this become? And ladies and gentlemen, before carrying on, I want us to notice what Christ has just done by preaching and emphasizing the new birth to Nicodemus. He has stripped this Pharisee of his self-righteousness. He has emphasized that God is sovereign and that man is not. And he has expounded on the fact that man has no part in the work of God. And he has done this by preaching the new birth, the spiritual transformation that must take place in order for one to see the kingdom of God. And so what's the application to us? We too must preach the new birth. To those who think they can work their way to heaven, you must be born again. This is what we must tell these individuals. We must strip them of their self-righteousness as Nicodemus has been stripped of his self-righteousness. It's a must. And so Nicodemus, understanding that he can't bring about transformation in his own life, asks in verse 9, how can these things become? And Christ answers. He answers that question. But before answering the question, Jesus finds it necessary to expose Nicodemus of his spiritual blindness. And that's what he does in verses 10 through 13. He exposes the spiritual blindness of Nicodemus. Verse 10, 
Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? See, this question that Nicodemus posed in verse 9, it would, have, it would have been a valid question for anyone other than Nicodemus. Nicodemus should have understood the spiritual new birth that must take place to enter into the kingdom of God. And when Christ spoke of, spoke of being born again and being born of water and spirit, Nicodemus should have knew those things. Old Testament scripture, Ezekiel 36 See, this man was supposedly a scholar when it came to the scriptures. And so much so that he was given the title, as we see in verse 10, the teacher of Israel. But yet he didn't understand how a man could be right before God. Are are you a teacher? You're a teacher? You don't understand this? See, Nicodemus, along with his other religious leaders of Jesus' day, were failing when it came to truly leading the people of God. They were blinded. They were blinded by their false religion. Jesus says of them in Matthew 23, 4, these are strong words, they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulder, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Isn't that what false religion does? Isn't that what telling a man he can work his way to salvation does? It it lays burdens on them. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Later on in Matthew's gospel, the 23rd chapter, verse 15, Jesus said that these Pharisees, when they were making disciples, were they making godly men? No. Jesus says they were producing children of hell. Children of hell. And Jesus, hitting it on the head in Matthew 23, 16, he calls them this, blind guides. Blind guides. These men were blinded by their self-imposed rules. Do this, do that, do this. See, Nicodemus should have been objectively expositing the word of God. He should have been living it out. He should have been teaching it accurately. And he would have noticed what Jesus was talking about or what Jesus was referring to when he said born of water and spirit. If he wasn't so blinded by his false religion, he would have recognized that he was talking to the long-awaited Messiah that night. And so Jesus continues to expose his blindness. Verse 11, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. The truth that Christ had just laid forth to Nicodemus These weren't things from spiritual la-la land. That's what the Pharisees did. They made man-made rules for spiritual la-la land. That's heresy. These were truths that were from heaven, from God. He says, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, and you don't believe. You don't believe the truth. Verse 12 if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can, I, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? This man couldn't even grasp the earthly things revealed to him, like the new birth. The new birth was something that was explained in a human way. We're under, we understand conception. Nicodemus understands that. But with his depraved heart, he chose not to believe those things. And so... And so was he to understand more difficult truths? Was he to understand heavenly things if he didn't even believe in earthly things? Absolutely not. He was numb. 
spiritually numb. He was blindfolded by his own sin. And Jesus really exposes this by what he says in the next verse, verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. That is to say, oh, and Nicodemus, again, my words are directly from heaven. I'm from heaven. My message is straight from God, untainted and authoritative. I'm from heaven. This man was talking to the long-awaited Messiah, and he was rejecting his message. He was exposed. Guys, will we take heed to the application here? False religion is blinding. False religion is damning. False religion veils the eyes of those who are subject to it. Maybe some of you here tonight are blinded by false religion. Maybe some of you here tonight believe that you can work your way to heaven and have neglected the truths of Scripture. You can't do it. And so when we bring, and so when we're preaching Christ to men and women, we must show them their spiritual blindness. Now, obviously, we don't do this in a bad way and say, hey, buddy, you're spiritually blind. You need help. We do this in a loving manner. And the only thing that can take the scales off unbelievers' eyes is preaching the inerrant and life-changing word of God. And so with preaching the new birth, Jesus has stripped this man, Nicodemus, of his self-righteousness. He says, you must be born again. You have no part in that. He destroys his idea that man can perform some action to be right before God. And even further than that, we just saw, he exposed him of his blindness. And so Nicodemus at this point has been stripped. He has been blinded. He needs a new heart, and he can't bring that about himself. He won't even accept earthly things revealed to him, and he doesn't understand the word of God. This man is utterly hopeless at this point. And folks, that's exactly where he needs to be. The good news is not good news until you are told the bad news. See, Christ in his wisdom here has purposely and initially brought Nicodemus to see his hopelessness. And we too, when witnessing to people, must preach the new birth and strip them of their self-righteousness. We must expose the depravity of their heart and their blindness and, Lord willing, bring, bring them to a point of helplessness. And when man sees their uselessness, when they see their utter hopelessness, it is at that point where they are willing to look for hope. It is at that point where they're willing to acknowledge the beauty of a Savior. And what's man's only hope? We know it. It's the same thing it's always been, belief or trust. Trust in something that's greater than yourself because you can't produce spiritual life. Trust in something that has the power to make change. And so at this point, Jesus turns from exposing Nicodemus' blindness to giving him hope. Giving him hope through himself. He begins to preach belief. Belief in Christ is how you receive the new birth. And so we read in verses 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus here is referring to an Old Testament scripture 
Numbers 21, 4 through 9, many of you are familiar with this. But the Israelites, after the fact that God had just delivered them from slavery to Egypt, 400 years of slavery to Egypt, they begin to complain about their life circumstances. And due to their ungratefulness, God sent poisonous serpents on them. And these snakes were biting them and killing them, and they were dying off. But God, in his graciousness and kindness, provided remedy from their death-impending bites. How did he do this? He instructed their leader, Moses, to create a bronze serpent, to place it on a pole, to exalt that bronze serpent. And anyone that was bit and anyone that was about to die, if they looked upon that serpent, would be healed. And so Jesus says, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. This is speaking of Jesus being crucified. In order that those who, in order that those who believe in him may have eternal life, in order that they might be birthed from above, Jesus says, belief, Nicodemus, belief in myself is your only hope. Your only hope. And so Jesus, in verses 16 through 21, goes into greater detail for Nicodemus about belief and about the idea that he was sent from into the world to save men and how unbelief destroys life. Verse 16 through 17, one of the most, if not the most well-known passage in all of Scripture, believers and unbelievers alike, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the manifestation of God's love. God has loved you, Nicodemus. He sent me here. He sent me here. Jesus was commissioned by God to come to earth for one purpose, to die on behalf of men in order to save them. Listen to these passages of Scripture. Hebrews 10.5 Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, this is Jesus speaking to the Father, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. That is a body to be sacrificed for mankind. 1 Timothy 1.15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners. Sinners. Belief in Christ is how Nicodemus could be born again. How the spiritual transformation could take place that he couldn't bring about. Belief in Christ. That was the way to be cleansed and purified from sin. It's the only way he would receive a new heart that was bent towards following God's word. And it's the same today, folks. That's your only hope, Christ Christ, Jesus continues, verses 18 and 19, he says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, or this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than they love the light, because their works are evil. It's simple, Nicodemus. Believe in Christ, and you'll be saved from judgment. Don't believe, and you'll perish. Don't believe, and you'll suffer the wrath of God, Nicodemus. Why? 
Well, because you haven't believed in your only hope. You haven't believed in the name of the only son of God. Or like verse 19 puts it, look at verse 19. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. Are you a person who loves their sin more than God? Professing believers in this room, I speak to everyone in this room. Would your life bear witness to the fact that you love God more than you love sin? Sure, you look good here at Cross Life on Thursday nights, but what about Saturday nights? What about Monday nights? What about Monday mornings, Tuesday mornings? Would your life bear witness to the fact that you love God more than sin? If you don't, you'll perish. Jesus is really emphasizing here to Nicodemus. You want to know, Nicodemus, how you can go to heaven? Believe in me. You want to know how you can perish? Don't believe in me. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to go to hell, it is not difficult. It's not difficult. Love your sin more than you love God. Love your sin more than you love God, and I guarantee you, you will perish. You will perish. And so Jesus concludes this conversation with Nicodemus in verses 20 and 21. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Oh, how this would have been a convicting thing to say to Nicodemus. Because at this time, he had not embraced Christ. At this time, he had not come to the light. Why? Lest his work should be exposed. This is the reason why men don't believe in Jesus Christ. Not because some intellectual reason. because they love their sin. Unbeliever, the reason why you, don't, you haven't followed Christ is because you love your sin more than you love God. It's simple. And because coming to Christ, you'll be exposed of your wickedness. That's why. This was convicting to Nicodemus because he hadn't come to Christ. He hadn't embraced Christ yet. And contrary to that, verse 21 tells us that anyone who's true, anyone who's a true believer embraces Christ. He embraces Christ. And so Nicodemus is challenged at this point as he speaks with Christ. Believe in me and you'll have life. Don't believe in me, you'll perish. And so what in fact happened to this man Nicodemus? What in fact happened to him? Did he come to faith? Did he come to faith? Many of you know the answer. Later on in the Gospel of John in chapter 7, this man, Nicodemus, is seen somewhat standing up for Christ in the midst of his Pharisee friends. And in John 19, Nicodemus is mentioned one more time. Turn there with me. John 19. Verse 38, and so what has taken place is Jesus has been crucified unjustly. He's been killed, and he's about to be buried. Verse 38, 
After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. Jesus was crucified, he was killed, and this believer comes to Pilate and say, can I take my Lord's body? Can I bury it? Can I bury it? And look who's with this man, Joseph, verse 39. Nicodemus, also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, but about 75 pounds, okay, I'm getting confused here, but 75 pounds in weight, verse 40. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. This man, Nicodemus, did come to faith. Here he's seen bearing our Lord with Joseph. With Joseph. Good ending. Nicodemus chose to embrace Christ. Through the preaching of the new birth, through the preaching of belief, his scales were taken off of his eyes. And what's the overarching application for you? Well, if you are an unbeliever here tonight, you need to turn to Christ. You need to believe upon Christ, who's your only hope. Is there anyone out there who doesn't know Jesus? Is there anyone out there who is trusting in their works, in themselves? Listen, you don't cut it. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. Turn from your sin. Christ is far better, and he deserves your worship. That is the application for the unbeliever. What about for the believer? The ambassador. Well, let us take note of how Jesus evangelized to this man, Nicodemus. He preached two simple things. He preached the new birth. You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. Why? Because you must be born again. Because you must be born again. He preached a new birth, spiritual transformation that can only come about through God. And he preached belief, belief in himself. Belief in Christ is the only way to be transformed, is the only way to be purified from your sins. The only way to receive a new heart that wants to follow the Lord. And so will we as ambassadors be wise to learn from the evangelist himself and preach the same truths. Will we proclaim the new birth? Will we proclaim belief in the only possible way that that new birth can come about? Will we do that, ambassadors? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this convicting text, this marvelous text. Um, Father, I hope, I hope that through the preaching of your word, you might bring some to glory tonight, some who didn't know you, Father, and some who possibly trusted in themselves, and that they saw how Jesus interacted with that same type of man there, Nicodemus, who believed that he was righteous because of his works. Father, with that person here tonight who believed they're righteous in and of themselves, Father, would you strip them of that? Would you cause them to trust in their only hope, to trust 
in Christ. And for the believers, Lord, will we go out and proclaim and herald your truths. New birth, spiritual transformation, and belief. We pray these things for your glory. Amen.